0: On point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point. I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners and I'll be talking about a range of topics including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Morning team, hope everybody is well. Uh, Last week was another good one for global share markets. We had the S&P 500 in the US up another 1.3%. So November very much living up to its reputation as one of the better months of the year. In fact, the best month of the year for the US market historically. We're up 5.3% so far. So on the back of a pretty difficult August, September, October, Uh, Things are looking up this month. Let's hope that continues as we head toward the end of the year. Other share markets a little bit mixed. Uh, Europe slipped 0.2%. The UK was down 0.8%. The Aussie market across the Tasman up 0.1% in the local market here in New Zealand up just the 0.2%, although it is important to note that that US market strength, a fair whack of it came during the Friday trading session. So New Zealand, Australia, uh, and even Europe and the UK would have been closed uh, during the second part of that session, and there was sort of a late rally. So maybe there is a little bit of catch-up that we will see in this part of the world uh, early in the coming week. Uh, What happened with interest rates and bond yields, the US 10-year Treasury yield up slightly, ended the week at 4.65, so a little higher than where it started, but still well below the 16-year highs of last month. During October, the 10-year Treasury yield pushed through 5% for the first time since 2007, so 4.65, we're still some way below those levels. Uh, local interest rates our five-year swap rate was down about 10 basis points so down at about 4.9 we had a 13-year high of almost 5.4 percent just three weeks ago so we're actually off quite a bit from those highs you know off a full half a percent uh, from those levels New Zealand fixed income and I uh, usually watch the um, the NZX investment grade corporate bond index because it's a very good proxy for the type of fixed income assets that most private investors hold in portfolios it's returned four percent this year so a pretty good return certainly it has outpaced the local share market uh, and it's on track for its best year since 2020. Um, New Zealand fixed income was down in 2021 and then down again in 2022, very unusual to see conservative assets down two years in a row and in fact it's quite rare for them to be down full stop but 2023 has been a much better year and fixed income has performed well looking back on some of the key developments last week we'll start with central banks and the only major central bank meeting was the reserve bank of australia they did increase their policy rate by a quarter of a percent so they moved to 4.35 last week although they're lower than new zealand lower than uh, the united states lower than the uk they're still at the highest levels we've seen since 2011 and remember that in australia A lot of borrowers, uh, a lot of homeowners uh, sit on floating rates. So the RBA does get a bit more bang for buck when they hike interest rates because it does tend to flow through quite quickly uh, rather than being quite delayed, which is what we see here because we all sit on, on fixed rates. Uh, So that was the first increase since June. The RBA has left things unchanged at the four meetings since then. So I guess what's brought them back off the sidelines is that inflation has been a little stronger than they had had hoped it would be. So that's why they have felt they need to take some action. They do think inflation has passed its peak, uh, but they're worried about the stubbornness of prices. Um, Things like services, uh, prices still continuing to rise more quickly than they would like. So they think inflation will keep coming down, but they just haven't made the progress that they had hoped to. So markets still see a a decent chance of at least one more hike uh, from the RBA. Another hike over the next six months is priced into the tune of about you know 65 70 odd percent so that that could change depending on how the economy develops depending on what happens with um inflation although at the moment you would you would probably, if you were betting on it, you would probably suggest that um, there's one more in the tank from the RBA. The only other central bank um, activity we saw last week was that there was a lot of Fed speakers talking, including Jerome Powell. He spoke at an IMF conference. Uh, he, he played his cards reasonably close to his chest, left the door open for further hikes if he... If he needs to, um, as you would, Um, and made a few comments along the lines of, you know, we're not entirely sure that we've done enough. So, you know, still watching and waiting. And I think think that's to be expected. You know, the Fed wants to keep people. um, They don't want to just signal that they're done just yet. They want to leave the door open and give themselves the opportunity to do more. There's one more meeting this year. It comes in mid-December. So we'll, we'll wait and see how that plays out. My view is that they probably are done, but I can see why they would want to um, be a little bit ambiguous with their commentary. The only other notable thing uh, that came out of that presentation from, from Chair Powell was uh, a, a slightly amusing sort of interchange between him and some climate protesters that tried to bust into the room and, and interrupt his speech. He, um, I won't repeat the language that he used uh, as he was trying to, have them removed um, because it was a couple of words that I would growl my children if um, I heard them using them but you know sort of funny you will get a bit of a chuckle a bit of a laugh if you google that because you know these high profile central bankers are usually in the news for uh, the comments they make or the action they take but last week uh, Mr Powell got just as much media attention um, for getting a little bit angry at the climate protesters and you know wanting them to uh, get out of there. what did we have here in New Zealand? We had uh, the Reserve Bank Survey of Expectations for the September quarter. This survey is an important one for monitoring how inflation expectations are developing. And the good news was that over the coming 12 months, expectations for where inflation will go or be uh, fell quite sharply, fell from 4.2 to 36 um, so that's very much good news, probably influenced by that softer inflation print we got because they do the survey um, just in the wake of each inflation print. So that came in at 5.6 instead of 6. Uh, people were probably quite um, encouraged by that. However, when you look ahead a little bit higher, so that's probably not what they want to see. Five-year inflation expectations rose from 2.25 to 2.43. That's the highest in 12 months and still within the target band of 1% uh, to 3%, although moving in the wrong direction. And the RBNZ would rather be seeing these numbers closer to 2 than sort of pushing up you know, from two towards three. So good and bad there. It probably doesn't dramatically move the dial in terms of what the uh, the Reserve Bank might do. Next, they have one more meeting to go uh, late, late this month. Um, so another, you know, two or three weeks away. Uh, I don't think they'll do anything there either. I think they are finished in terms of their rate hikes, that is. Uh, dairy prices, we had the results of another GDT auction, saw a marginal decline, not much in it. You know, the headline index down 0.7%, probably not a bad outcome. A few people out there thought it would fall further, so uh, you you may as well call it flat. That comes on the back of four consecutive increases. That saw the index rebound almost 17%. Um, in the two months from sort of mid-August to not so long ago. So that's, that's been good. Um, dairy prices still at reasonably subdued le- levels. You know, we want them to uh, recover over the next year or two because even at 7.25, which is where the payout is, uh, the Fonterra payout, some farmers will be, will be making a loss. Um, so over the next couple of years, I think you need to see either prices recover uh, or you need to see borrowing costs come down so that the 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 cost structure of the typical farmer um, falls a little bit or both. you know we can handle one one pretty average season, but you don't want to have sort of two or even three difficult seasons in a row. Right, looking ahead uh, this week and the highlight will definitely be the US inflation report. this will be for October and we'll be hoping that we see further declines uh, in inflation. Markets are expecting headline inflation to have increased 0.1% for the month of October. That will be the lowest in five months. That will be good. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, that's expected to be unchanged at 0.3%. So at an annual level, Markets are expecting headline inflation to slow to 3.3%. That's the lowest since March 2021, two and a half years ago. Core inflation unchanged at 4.1. Still down from the highs, still equal lowest with September 2021, you know, same as last month was. So, you know, moving in the right direction, progress, um, that core inflation is still a little bit stickier than people would like but some of the indicators have been good looking forward you know look at the um the pmis that we saw for october and i talked about these a week or two ago they were very encouraging we saw input cost inflation in the us fall to the lowest since october 2020 and average selling prices posted the smallest gain since june 2020 you know more than 3 years ago and i'm quite encouraged by that because it's come in spite of rising oil prices um, of late. So that that was quite good. But that'll, that'll very much be uh, the highlight. And I think this is out on Tuesday in the US. Yeah, Tuesday in the US. So um, we'll be watching that and we'll get that uh, on Wednesday. Um, retail sales will be the other key release that we'll get out of the United States so there on Wednesday. And they will obviously uh, help us help us build a picture of how the consumer is feeling and thinking and acting at this point in the lead up to the holiday season uh we've got some chinese monthly indicators uh wednesday 3pm we'll get you know things like um uh what do you get retail sales industrial production Uh, fixed asset investment, you know, those sorts of things. So I'm not expecting fireworks here. I think we could be in for a disappointing set of figures. The Chinese PMIs for the same period pointed to slowing momentum and, you know, renewed deflationary pressures, particularly in the services sector. So um, not expecting these to look fantastic, but we will watch and see. Uh, That will be on Wednesday afternoon. Also a bit happening on the geopolitical front Um, this Friday, another deadline for Congress to avert a government shutdown in the US. So um, listeners will remember that we had that deal that was put together to buy them some time Well, it's nearly expired. So they've got to sort that out and come up with something that is uh, a little more permanent. So we'll be watching watching for that and also the APEC uh, Leaders' Week in San Francisco. So that um, started over the weekend and will continue throughout this week, you know, through to, um, I think, the 17th, which is Friday, isn't it? Uh, The highlight there will be US President um, Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, expected to meet. That is expected to take place on Wednesday, so they will meet. And that'll be really interesting. You know, it comes obviously uh, against the backdrop of a not fractured, but certainly deteriorating relationship between the world's two biggest economies. You know, you had that incident earlier in the year, um, was back in January, wasn't it, where that spy balloon sort of came across U.S. airspace um, and the U- uh, the Americans shot it down and then accused China of sending a spy balloon. So, you know, that that's made things a little bit tense and obviously last year I think it was August last year where um, Nancy Pelosi who was the speaker at the time visited Taiwan that didn't go down particularly well Um, so you have had a bit of a tense relationship so this meeting will be closely watched and those issues will be discussed I'm sure as well as the conflict you're seeing in the Middle East uh, the war in Ukraine. You know talk about election interference um ahead of the u.s election next year so that that will be something that markets will be keeping a close eye on on the local front the only key economic releases will be the october housing report from the real estate institute i think that is out on wednesday morning Yeah, Wednesday morning, Uh, and that's the same day as migration figures, which are out sort of later that morning. So we'll get those two things. I'd expect them to both be quite good. Um, The housing market has rebounded a few percent since it bottomed out in May of this year, and I expect that to continue. Uh, Maybe a bit more activity, uh, a few more listings, a few more sales. Um, With the market having stabilised, with pricing prices having pushed a little bit higher, I think people are a bit more inclined to put the house on the market so you might see a little bit more happening there as well the elections behind us so a bit more confidence so I don't think prices will have rocketed away but you know a bit more activity and a bit more stability across the housing market will be a good thing migration which has been a big driver of activity and it's been very helpful in terms of dealing with some of those labour shortages we've got um i know it's a double-edged sword migration but i think there is more good than bad for us uh, at this point in the cycle and it is doing us a few favors at a time that we need them so personally i am happy to see those migration figures remain pretty solid the reporting season um, winding down now internationally you know we've had 92 percent of s p 500 companies already report it's been pretty solid you know 80 odd percent maybe a little bit more have beaten expectations at the the earnings level, the profit level, and aggregate earnings growth for the S and P five hundred has been four point one percent. It was expected to be slightly negative, so that's that's a good outcome uh, for the September quarter. Looking ahead to the December quarter, you know the last three months of the calendar year, analysts are expecting that earnings growth to continue. Three point two percent is what's expected from you know the same quarter a year ago. And if we look ahead to 2024, um, all of 2024, you know, the calendar year, uh, analysts are expecting earnings growth of 11.6% relative to 2023. So all of 2024 compared to all of 2023 on, on a calendar year basis, you know, earnings growth of, call it 10 or 12%. So some people would disagree with that. Some people would say, well, hang on. Uh, there still could be a recession around the corner. And if that's the case, that earnings growth looks uh, somewhat optimistic because in recessions you usually see earnings fall uh, by anywhere between you know, 5 and 25% depending on the magnitude. So um, there would be plenty of people that would maybe dispute that. But that is what um, is being officially uh, estimated by all of the bottom-up analysts out there. Still a few to come though, even though it is near the end of that reporting season. We've got Home Depot and Walmart in the US. Uh, I think Home Depot is on Tuesday, Walmart is later in the week on Thursday. A couple of others too along the way, but those are the two that stood out for me. And two of the big Chinese heavyweights, Tencent on Wednesday and Alibaba. So there's still, still plenty to come. On the local front and across the Tasman, there is... Quite a bit happening on the corporate um, news front. Mano Energy reporting result on Monday, Napier Port on Tuesday, Serco uh, Wednesday, uh, Infratil Thursday, plus a few AGMs. We've got AGMs from Precinct Properties, Contact Energy, A2 Milk, um, and across the Tasman ANZ Bank reporting on Monday. Uh, That's really the only major result. But there's quite a few AGMs where we might get some trading updates. Goodman Group, uh, Lendlease, you know, two of the big property companies. Uh, ResMed as well, which has been under fire uh, because of all those weight loss drugs that are expected to reduce the number of obese people and many of the customers um, that ResMed products are supplied to. Uh, tend to be overweight and obese, same as Fisher & Paykel Healthcare. Those two companies are competitors. So that one will be an interesting one because we'll be looking forward to hearing what uh, ResMed has to say about um, those sorts of challenges uh, that it's facing at the moment. All right, that's that's all for now. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, Enjoy your week, um, and we'll talk again soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.